Welcome to the Moz Monthly Podcast. Thorough discussion and in-depth information about the news, stories, and trends related to emergency medical services in Michigan. The Moz Monthly Podcast is brought to you by the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services. Here's your host, Moz Executive Director, Angela Madden. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2 of the Moz Monthly Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Madden. As we're looking ahead to Season 2, we've got a lot of topics on our agenda. We're going to talk about recruitment and retention. We're going to talk about data. We're going to talk about some clinical issues, and absolutely, we're going to continue to talk about the current status of the pandemic. But first, we thought we'd take a moment to talk about the status of EMS education in Michigan. Joining us today, State EMS Education Coordinator Terry Gody and EMSCC Education Committee Chairman Kevin Wilkinson. Kevin, what has the Education Committee been working on? The Education Committee has been working hard at making education easy, accessible to everyone, providing the ability to address recruitment and retention issues we see across the state of Michigan. One of the things that's on our horizon that is first and foremost and right around the corner and we'll let Terry describe the process, is taking the uh, education application process electronic from the paper format. And that has rolled out recently, and that's the most recent work that's come from the Education Committee and the department. And the department deserves all the credit here. This has been a years-long project with input from the Education Committee, but all the heavy lifting from the department. And I don't think the folks understand the effort that went into this from the education department at the state. But as we get through this year, and by the end of this year, all education programs will be electronic. And by going electronic, it gives program sponsors and the educators uh, valuable time to plan their education courses. Throughout my time on the committee, we have seen uh, pediatric practical credits, one of the first credits that we have advised on and developed around direct feedback based on outcome performance from studies performed from uh, Bill Fales' group at Western Michigan. And that's a very successful credit in the EMS program. The pandemic has taught us some lessons and those lessons are strictly related or not strictly, but um, there's no exclusive fidity there, if that's a word, but they're related to uh, and surround uh, video and tele education and those lessons that we're learning are going to carry us into the future because right now EMT programs are bursting at the seams. Paramedic programs are seeing an uptick in enrollment and those lessons are going to carry us into the future Uh, and the department and the MS department specifically at the state department has been very forward thinking in allowing us to teach and create uh, distance learning for individuals and those individuals now have the ability during a pandemic to take an EMT class uh, from the comfort of their own home, provide the clinicals on site in a safe environment and the instructor now, the breadth and the span of control or the breadth of the, uh, I should say the the ability of the instructor to engage more students in in a video learning environment has, has become a very, very important tool in uh, our toolbox as educators. So, and then I'll let Terry describe each of those programs, but more importantly, what's right here on our horizon is how to enroll and how to use uh, the online application process for education programs going forward. 
Thank you so much, Kevin. That was a great overview of some of the work that the department and the EMSCC Education Committee has been undertaking over the last 365 days in particular. Terry, he tossed you a softball there. Do you want to take the opportunity to uh, fill in some of those holes? And for everybody here on the podcast today, we're talking to Terry Godey, the EMS Education Coordinator for the Bureau of EMS Trauma and Preparedness in the state of Michigan, and Kevin Wilkinson from MedStar Ambulance, who serves as the EMS Education Subcommittee Chair on the EMSCC. Terry. Thank you, Angela. So uh, one very exciting thing that actually just went into effect on February 1st is our CE applications for individual CE classes. It's all in an online format. And this online format is very easy to use as as we've learned, we're still learning. Uh, We put on several training sessions for our ICs in the past week to get them all up to date on how to do this. But eventually, as we move all of our education formats over to this e-licensing portal, all education will be there. Right now, all personnel licensure is there. All agency and vehicle licenses are on that same portal. And now we're getting the education modules over. So we've worked through, we've about the last six, seven months, we've been working through the process in the background, trying to get it ready to go. And uh, we started live February 1st had several CE applications in there already and very few errors. And we're excited about this. Right now, or up until February 1st, those applications were on paper and we made them so that they're fillable electronically, but it still takes some time to fill out those paper applications. The C licensing portal, once you get used to it, it literally only takes a couple minutes to get your application in The very nice thing about it is you receive an email right away saying that we received it. Um, It's a very quick process and we're very excited about it. We're excited now to move into initial education and the CE program sponsors. So those are our next projects that we're working on to get on the e-licensing portal. Thank you so much, Terry. That was actually my next question is, is where do we stand now for initial education programs? Good. So right now, uh, behind the scenes, our data, people are working on uh, the next process, which will either be, and I'm not sure which is going to go first, the CE program sponsor. One of the issues that we're trying to figure out is if, if, let's say, as a CE program sponsor, once my lesson plan is approved, I can teach that at any time during this three-year period. Uh, part of the CE application process is you have to have an application for the class you're teaching so that you can upload your roster. One of the biggest benefits, the biggest benefit of this is that your once you attend a class, you will automatically show in your e-licensing portal that you attended that class. So this is all automatic with that roster. With CE program sponsors, they can teach that class Right now, if you come to me and I have a trauma credit already approved, if you come to me and say that you need a trauma credit to renew your license, I could teach that for you right now. So we're trying to work out the process on how we can can eliminate that 30-day rule for CEs in the, the e-licensing portal. So that's where they're struggling with right now. Uh, but we're working pretty hard behind the scenes to get both 
initial education and the CE program sponsors into the C licensing portal. There's a lot of documents that come with an initial education program. So I think that is going to take a little bit of time, but, but I think now that we've proven that this CE application works well, we'll be able to uh, get it up and running soon. I'm, I'm hoping by the end of the year, everything in education will be on the C licensing portal. I think the biggest benefit of that is you will know right away, whoever applies, you will know right away that the department received it. Right now you're waiting on me to email you to let you know that we received it. And uh, some days like this morning so far, I, I haven't had a chance to get into any of those emails to do that. So that's the benefit of that is you know right away and everything will be automatic once it's in there and it's a pretty neat system. I'm excited. Thanks, Terry. Quick question for either of you. When we look at the state at the status of EMS education statewide, what is what is ed, the education programs or the sponsors' role in recruitment and retention? Kevin, you want to take a go at that first? So I think education sponsors um, are probably more and more engaged uh, in looking at the outcome of their students. And if, if, if the education sponsor is engaged in student outcomes and um, a career-oriented education program, I think then those programs are directly tied to recruitment and retention uh, because the education program doesn't stand alone. It's a career that they develop. And for the education programs that have developed relationships with uh, organizations or education programs that are sponsored with organizations, the education programs become a key into uh, making sure or at least enticing students to come into a field where the, the field uh, careers are in high demand. So I think it's incumbent on those education programs to follow their students' career paths as they exit the programs. And then as those students exit the programs, where are they engaging in careers and how can the programs uh, help their uh, partners in, in developing strength in uh, educating students, not only to enter into a career into EMS, but preparing the students for careers in EMS um, based on the needs of the careers that their students choose, whether they be hospital careers or EMS careers, um, preparing those students well for the careers so that when a student leaves their classroom and is able to go perform uh, out uh, in, in their chosen field that they feel well prepared. And I think when a student does that, uh, word of mouth spreads quickly and the programs can grow. So I think, you know, they play a key role in recruitment and retention. And the more engaged they are with employers, um, the larger the role they can play. Do you feel that some of that engagement is lacking for some of the programs that are housed outside of the agency itself? I think uh, in today's environment with programs uh, needing clinical hours from agencies, I think they're more engaged than they ever have been. Uh, and I think for those programs to continue to be successful, they're gonna have to continue to stay engaged with the employers that they're using for their clinical experiences. So uh, if it is an issue, I think it's quickly being overcome uh, by the need to build relationships for clinical experiences. That's a great point. Terry, 
the governor has, um, over the course of the pandemic and um, before, announced a couple of different programs to bring people into various things to either get them back into a community college or a two-year program for uh, an associate's degree or for a certificate. Throughout the pandemic, it was Futures for Frontliners, which uh, offered tuition assistance or um, grants to students to attend community college. Uh, Some of those community colleges have uh, paramedic training programs, so those dollars were able to be utilized for paramedic training. Yesterday, she announced Michigan Reconnect, which allows an individual 25 or older who has not completed a certificate program or a a degree program to go back to school to better themselves. What are your hopes for that program in being able to incorporate specifically paramedic education? I think right now is a perfect time for a lot of promotion for our EMS education. And I was so excited to hear this with the reconnect, the futures for frontliners was strictly for those who were working during the pandemic. This reconnect is anyone over 25 who's lived in Michigan for at least a year and uh, that does not have an associate degree already. So this is very exciting. We do have a couple paramedic programs in northern lower Michigan, a couple paramedic programs in the UP. The nice thing is what they're working on is trying to get satellite locations in those northern areas so that the the students wouldn't have far to drive. They are looking at expanding the EMS role. So they are looking at expanding their roles and their programs to be better equipped for all EMS providers who want to continue their careers. I'm excited that that the trade schools were also included in this. This is exciting. It's an exciting time for EMS and it's a perfect time to really promote the EMS education programs. Right now are probably the largest in Northern Lower Michigan paramedic program is in uh, Petoskey. And they're looking at starting one in Alpena and in Otsego. So that's really gonna cover that tip of the mitten to uh, get more students in their programs. And this is exciting. Like I said, it's, it's a very exciting time. All of our paramedic programs, I shouldn't say all, most of our paramedic programs saw an increase in enrollment this year in the 2020, fall 2020 classes. And uh, if we can get this really promoted in, in this, it's not just the tuition, it's also fees that this covers for students. This is a great opportunity for EMS as a whole to really grab onto these, these people in our, these citizens in our state to promote EMS. EMS is a great field. It's done me well and uh, many of us here and I just look forward to promoting it whenever I can. I absolutely agree, Terry. So the one thing that I was wishful for was that ReConnect would include a private EMS agency-sponsored education programs. Unfortunately, that did not happen or is unable to happen due to some technical difficulties that I have not yet identified, but we are working on that. Where do either or both of you see the future of EMS education going forward? What's next for us? Great. That's a great question. There's so many things going on at a national level and at state levels. Uh, You know, there's for EMS, a lot of reason I think that people turn toward the nursing field after a 
specific amount of time is in nursing, you have so many different areas that you can work in. For EMS, it's, it's really been responding to calls. And there isn't a lot of room for promotion, a lot of room for expansion of your uh, education and career. And now you're starting to see that change, which is exciting. You're seeing more critical care paramedics. You're seeing more field training officers. You're seeing more. Uh, we're really starting to dig in deep with this community paramedic uh, area or the community integrated paramedicine is what we call it here in Michigan. And I think that you're going to see with all of these different aspects that go along with EMS, it isn't just sitting in a truck and, and responding to calls. It, it's going to be a whole different thing. And, you know, some treat and release, some maybe in the future be able to transport them to the appropriate facility, which may not be in a, an emergency department. Um, there's EMS is in the middle of a growing spurt, and I'm excited to, to be a part of that. Kevin, what are your thoughts for the future of EMS education? You know, I think EMS education as a whole still has a wide degree of variability across the country. I think as we see education grow, and remember that EMS formally has only been around since the late 60s and early 70s, and I think uh, nationally, as we see EMS education grow, we'll see a consolidation of efforts and probably consistency across curriculum applied across the country if it follows the traditional path of our public service models um, from nursing to law enforcement to the fire service, we're gonna probably see a, consist a consistency in the curriculum that's delivered so that it's not uh, 50 states each with unique individual programs, but a consolidation of education and curriculum across the country as, as we define what the total scope of practice is going to be that we grow into in the next 20, 30 or 40 years. So I think, our long-term future is bright and it probably has um, the biggest growth for us will be in consistent application. Thank you. I think that's a great point for us. And I, I couldn't let either of you off the hook on the podcast without throwing you a little bit of a controversial question just to see where it goes. The elephant in the room has always been accreditation for paramedic programs, COAMPS, and the use of the National Registry exam. Both of those things have been cited as one of the main reasons for our recruitment issue and the lack of paramedics working the road in, a, in an EMS agency. I want to be very specific about that today. Either of you have any comments about that? I do. I, you know, a national registry is the national certif certifying exam. They are a validated exam. I wish everyone could have listened to Dr. Applegate. He spoke at our uh, conference that we had a couple weeks ago and really went behind the science of who's writing these questions and what is the process of validating. So uh, the, the testing process and creating the test, if you will, for National Registry is really a, a process. Each question takes about two years to validate. These questions are written by EMS professionals from around the country. Uh, they get about 13 to 14 paramedics education program directors, state EMS offices. They get a group of all of these people, physicians and so forth together and create questions based off of the curriculum and go through really a scientific process 
of the questions. So it is a validated, they are accredited as well. And while I'm speaking on accreditation, while accreditation may sound, it's scary to many, uh, it really is a, a process of making sure that you're meeting minimum standards. And these minimum accreditation standards, again, are set by professionals in the field of EMS and experts really at this creating these minimum standards. Every paramedic program that has gone through accreditation knows that it is a lot of stress to get that accreditation, just as it is with CAS. It is a lot of stress to get it, make sure that you have all of your minimum standards set. Uh, the program itself has a lot of leeway in creating the, say, minimum team leads. Uh, a student has to have a minimum of however many team leads in a specific area, or a minimum amount of pediatric, for instance, pediatric contacts, where they have done pediatric assessments, things like that, that are minimum standards. And that's what accreditation is. Now, I've had many, many programs come to me after their accreditation visit. And they said, you know, it's a lot of stress and a lot of work. But my program is better because of this because I am keeping track of meeting all of these minimum standards. We've had these minimum standards all along, but these are really specific to the accreditation process. And, uh, you know, people are worried and, and uh, asking, are we going to require accreditation for EMT level? That is not anything that's ever been discussed. Um, nothing to worry about, uh, certainly. So uh, right now, our paramedic programs are accredited. They do have to meet those minimum standards. It is a lot of work on the program itself. But if you would spend maybe an hour a day working on some accreditation stuff, you're going to be all set. And we have yet to have a program in Michigan denied their accreditation status, which is pretty awesome. And that says a lot about our education programs here in Michigan. They go through a lot of work to make sure that they meet those standards and they're doing well. So that's great. And many of them have had reapprovals. And we did have, even before it was a requirement in Michigan, we had three programs that already went through the accreditation because they wanted that status before it was even a requirement. So uh, that just says a lot about EMS education in Michigan. I think you know, we're striving to be better. What we need to make sure that we're doing is we're not just meeting those minimum standards, but we are preparing our students to be entry-level providers as soon as possible after their class is over so that we can help with that recruitment and retention, right, to get our field staffed. So that's what we need out there. And, and accreditation has really kind of proven that it, it isn't a bad thing to meet those standards and to get those students out. And if you start looking at pass rates, if you really work hard with understanding the science behind writing test questions, test items, and validating your exams in the classroom, the students are going to fare very well at National Registry. Our goal, of course, would be to have great pass rates first time at the registry. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there's people have different 
test-taking abilities, or maybe they're not quite prepared to what the way that the National Registry is written. It really is written. Every question is based on a patient condition, and it's a scenario based on a patient condition and your treatment, and then, or, or taking care of a scene environment. So that is really what it is based on, and it is really to show your entry-level abilities to take care of the patient condition or the scene situation. And that's the, that's what it's focused on. It really isn't out there to try to fail people. It's really to test their abilities at the entry level to be that EMT or paramedic or MFR or specialist level. Thanks, Terry. We are uh, coming up on the end of our time together. I do want to give both of you the opportunity to say any final words uh, to our audience today listening listening on the Moz Monthly podcast. Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, thanks for having us, Angela. I think the podcast is a really good idea, and I look forward to doing more. Terry, any final words for our listeners today? I just really hope we all take the opportunity to promote EMS, to get people into these schools to get them started in an EMS pathway. Uh, now is a great opportunity for all of us to really promote this. So, and thank you, Angela, very much. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, Terry Godey, Education Coordinator for the State of Michigan EMS Division of EMS Trauma and Preparedness, and Kevin Wilkinson, the Committee Chair on the EMSCC's Education Subcommittee. I appreciate both of your tireless work to promote uh, the industry, to promote EMS education, and to promote and and show your appreciation on behalf of all licensed EMS agencies and, and EMS personnel throughout our state. Terry, Kevin, thank you again for joining us. And you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Moz Monthly Podcast, the go-to source for information about Michigan's EMS system. Be sure to visit miambulance.org slash podcast to join the conversation and access other important information from the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services.